Father, as we again come to your word, written words on a page that tell us um, your Holy Spirit speaks through them and reveals to us the living word. Reveals to us not just Jesus the teacher, but Jesus Christ the Lord, the Savior, the ruler of all. And so we come to this written word looking to see him. To know him a little bit better. To live our lives perhaps a little bit more like he has shown us to live. To be challenged and renewed. To be chastened and revived. To have our hearts and our minds opened to what you would have us to do. So we pray, Father, that as we look to these words that your spirit might speak to us. And Jesus, we might know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be at the book of of Luke in chapter 13. Um, I I said last week that for a couple of weeks, we are going to just look at Jesus and the Sabbath, Jesus and rest. Um, There's actually a lot that goes on. Last week, we talked about the, the disciples being in the grain fields. Um, and the criticisms that were leveled against them. But this particular moment, um, and there's another similar moment that's recorded in all three Gospels, where Jesus heals a a man in a synagogue. But here, he heals a woman, and I just want to talk about what goes on. It's in Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. Um, I'm just going to read it, then I'm going to give a little bit of background, and just talk about what it means, maybe. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from his manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. And he said these things, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. Now, a couple things about first century synagogue worship, so you get this image properly um, in your mind. Now, they may not have been in a building. In fact, they probably were not in a building. Synagogue just means gathering. Um, And the Jews, if there were 10 male Jews, 10 Torah-observant male Jews in a town, those 10 Jews would form synagogue on Sabbath day. They would come together in any public square anywhere, and they would sit and they would have synagogue. And there was generally, if there was, the synagogue was large enough, they would have what they called the ruler of the synagogue, or the first of the synagogue. And he would sit in the back of the gathering um, on a chair that was called Moses' Seat. Um, Now, it didn't have to be a special chair. They just picked a chair and said, that's Moses' seat. So when you hear Jesus talking about to the Pharisees about you sit in Moses' seat, he's not saying you're teaching the law. He's saying you're sitting in Moses' seat, the thing labeled Moses' seat, um, which was the position of ruling the synagogue. 
all the men in the synagogue would gather together, not sitting in rows like we are, but, but they would kind of form into lines, um, and they would discuss Torah. Now, there were certain observances that were being done, and one of the, the traveling rabbis, because rabbis like Jesus traveled with their disciples um, around, um, if there was a traveling rabbi there, he would be invited to read the Torah, um, whatever, or read the scrolls, whatever passage they were reading at the time, whether it was Torah, which is the law, or the Nevim, the prophets, the Ketuvim, the writings, um, whatever it was. And, and some of you may remember when Jesus is in his hometown, he gets invited to read the scroll of the book of Isaiah. And he reads a passage that is uh, a messianic prophecy. And he says, these days, this day, this passage is fulfilled in your, in your ears. And everybody gets upset. Every time Jesus shows up to synagogue, everybody gets mad. It's, it's just the way it is. Um, so um, anyway, so Jesus is in synagogue. And all the men would gather together. And what would happen is the, the rabbi, he would stand at the front or sit at the front. And he would, he, would, he would read a passage and he would begin to teach. And he would present some things. And then the men of the congregation, to prove their piety, they would begin to discuss, well, rabbi so-and-so said this about this passage. Or, or I've always thought that this pertains. Or here's another passage that fits into it. And it was kind of a community conversation about Torah. And the ruler of the synagogue, his job was to kind of keep everybody together. So if somebody started to kind of wander off and start talking about Greek philosophy or what they were having for dinner and whether Susie's falafel was overcooked or whatever, um, the, the, ru the ruler of the synagogue would say, you know, he would stop, he would stop. Um, by the way, one of the most common things that happens in uh, especially southern churches, but all churches, the, the phrase amen, 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 that you hear people say, you know, amen, um, was actually born kind of in the synagogue worship. When somebody said something was really good, everybody would say amen, amen, because amen means let it be so, all right? Um, th this is what it should be. This is the truth. So Jesus is teaching in the synagogue, and remember, all the men are gathered. In the back of the synagogue were all the women and the children. Um, they were not allowed to participate in the conversation. Now, this pertains to when Jesus talks about women, not be, women being silent and, and women talking. And, uh, and Peter talks about that. Uh, Paul talks about that later in Scripture. Um, he actually is, he talks about the women learning in silence. He's actually challenging women to learn Torah at home so they can be a part of the church conversation. But um, in synagogue, women were in the back. And we actually, if you go to uh, Capernaum, um, in Galilee, there's a synagogue there, a first century synagogue that was built, one of the first synagogues we know of. Um, and in the back, there are games etched into the bricks because the parents, the moms would sit in the back and they'd have their kids and their kids would fiddle around in the bricks. All right? They were like the first century coloring books and they would play games back there and all you wanted to do is keep the kids quiet. So Jesus is talking, so get this, this circumstance of where he is, and there's a woman in the back who is disabled. She's bent over. She can't, she's, you know, her back is, is shot. We don't know exactly what's wrong with her. Um, but Jesus does. And, and Jesus calls her forward. Now, understand what he is doing at that moment. And Luke loves to bring up that Jesus loved women. All right? that he loves to bring women and children into the conversation. Luke's gospel is all about the people that the Jews had excluded from the conversation being invited into the conversation. The world turned upside down. And so he calls this disabled woman, because of her disability, because she is a woman, she has no place in the main gathering of the synagogue. He calls her forward, 
And he does something that Luke records because Luke is a doctor. Now, I want you to understand what happens here because we, it's very quickly, we can read this, and Dr. Delisi is going to start shaking his head in a second saying yes. All right, We read this and we think that Jesus does a supernatural healing here. But what Luke actually describes is that Jesus does a, uh, an osteopathic manipulation. He sees what is wrong with her back. Now, that's supernatural. Jesus knows exactly what is wrong. And the Bible says he laid his hands on her. All right? Read, the, read how he's, it's described. It says, um, he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. All right? Now, what's supernatural about it is that, and Doc will tell you, that if you manipulate somebody into proper position, but their muscles have learned to be in the wrong position, what happens to their bodies? They go right back. So Jesus manipulates her body to heal her back and supernaturally heals the muscles around it so she stays straight. So Jesus is the best osteopath chiropractor that has ever walked the face of the earth. Because what we have to do for physical therapy for weeks and weeks and weeks to build up the muscles to keep, it's like I got to keep that, if you've ever dealt with back issues and you know you have to learn to hold yourself and stand a certain way and all these things, Jesus sets her up the proper way. So she breaks the law and speaks in the middle of synagogue. This is why the leader of the... Now, he's upset because Jesus is doing work, but he's also upset because women are not supposed to talk in synagogue. How dare she start leading a worship service in the middle of synagogue? We're not here to glorify God. We're here to read Torah. So Jesus manipulates her body. So Jesus is literally the best doctor in the world. This is not the only time that Jesus does this where he uses physical means to heal somebody. So, and when we read about this and we read it, we go, well, you know, it says that she had, again, and I'm gonna, I can get into, I'll get into some of this, uh, hopefully this week I'll record a video uh, talking about some more of the background, but um, when it talks about her having a disabling spirit, that, that doesn't necessarily mean a demon, all right? The, in Luke's Luke's learning as a doctor, they described certain disabilities, certain sicknesses and illnesses as spirits that affected the body, whether it was actually an unclean spirit, like a, a, a wear spirit, or simply a spirit in the sense of there's just something wrong with her. You know, she's just in bad spirits, right? That, that kind of description, or she's got a melancholic spirit. Have you ever heard those? He's using very medical terminology to describe this because Jesus does a very medical thing. Now, there are other times that Jesus does stuff and Luke goes, I don't know how he did it. Right? So, so, but this moment, Jesus straightens her back. Now, I got to tell you, if you're sleeping on the ground for three years following Jesus around, it's nice to know that he can do this. Um, but he, he heals this woman. He, he sets her straight. And then the, 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 the ruler of the, the synagogue gets so mad, and he says, there are six days which work ought to be done, right? He's like, you can come on those six days and be healed. Now, there's a problem with that argument. There's no synagogue the other six days. On the other six days, the ruler of the synagogue is just a carpenter or a potter or whatever he is during the day. All right? he's, not, he's not like professional clergy. He's not there for calling hours. And he can't heal people anyway. 
Jesus is there at Sabbath. Jesus sees a problem. It serves his point, all right, which, by the way, his point is to get the Jews to do something stupid like this. All right, this is actually his purpose in doing this. Um, he, he's, he's making the best Jesus illustration ever. He's trying to talk about something. We don't know what he was talking about, but he straightens this woman out, and the Jews immediately react, and he goes, see, told you so. Right, he's illuminating what's really in their hearts. Because how dare Jesus do this? So he says, six days which work ought to be done, come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And then Jesus, then the Lord, uh, Luke is very specific about calling him the Lord here, all right, answered him because uh, while the ruler of the synagogue might be in charge of that synagogue, all right, the word, the Greek word that, that Luke uses for ruler, archi, it means the one who is over the first person, but a Lord a king, Kyrios, all right, in Greek, is always superior to a ruler. Right? He's always, and so it says, the Lord answered him and he calls them hypocrites. Because if you're saying healing can only occur on the other six days, right, then you're saying healing doesn't occur because there's no healing going on in this synagogue on the six days of the week. Healing only happens when Jesus is there so you're basically saying you do, this woman did not deserve to be healed. That's really what they're saying. Um, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it to water? He says, look, he says, you don't let your, your animals go thirsty on the Sabbath day. And this woman is a daughter of Abraham. He says, and Satan has bound her for 18 years. Now, <clears throat> that loosing happens on the Sabbath day. He says, if, if a horse or a donkey or an ox has the right to drink water on the Sabbath day, why wouldn't a daughter of Abraham have the right to come to the Lord of the Sabbath to be healed on the Sabbath day? Now again, remember, Jesus is making a declaration of who he is. He is saying that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, that he is the God of the Old Testament. And he is making a declaration. Now, um, and so when we read this next line, as he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. You need to understand what is happening here. So again, I'm going to ask you to go look back to this. We've had kind of this microcosm of the conversation between the ruler and Jesus. But understand what's happening. Jesus heals this woman. She glorifies God. The ruler of the, of the synagogue jumps up and starts shouting. And his side of the synagogue, those who agree with him, are trying to shout down Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus raises his hand, makes this statement about the Sabbath, and they are all put to shame. They all sit down and are silent. And Jesus and, and the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. And then, so everybody goes, you know what? He's got a point. He's got a point. So Jesus breaks the Sabbath because he doesn't just supernaturally say, woman, you're healed. See, if he had done that, would he have done any work? No. No. But because he lays hands on her and actually adjusts her body, he's done work. He's broken the Sabbath. 
And he does it for a reason. And the reason is to illustrate in the hearts of the Jews their bias against the God they claim to worship. They are so focused on themselves and their arguments in their synagogue. They are so obsessed with, with having a ruler and, and aren't we great? We're a wonderful Jewish community. And the Jewish world in those days, they prided themselves on arguing with each other. They prided themselves with, with debate and skill. They prided themselves with their literary abilities to discern and, and to interpret scripture. And Jesus in this moment turns everything that they believe on their heads. And, and in this moment, a woman who wasn't asking to be healed, she didn't come looking to be healed. She's just sitting at synagogue. She's just in the back, in pain, hoping to hear Torah, hoping to hear the scriptures. And Jesus pulls her forward. And the one who should not, who didn't come looking for the grace of God, receives it. And those who claim to have the grace of God are revealed to be ignorant hypocrites. Because the purpose of the Sabbath is the glory of God. We talked about this at the beginning of this series. The reason that God called us to rest, the reason he built us to rest, is not so that because we're, we're not, we don't have to, God didn't make the Sabbath because we're built to rest. He built us for the Sabbath to bring glory to him. In that seventh day, the purpose, the purpose of the Sabbath, the purpose of the gathering was for the bonds of this world, the bonds of Satan to be loosed and the glory of God to be expressed. How often when we take a rest, we say, oh, I just need a break. We use terms that really have no place in the vocabulary of a Christian. I just need me time. I just, I just gotta, I just gotta, um, you know, it, it's a, um, I'm trying to think of a phrase um, uh, from Parks and Rec, Rec. I can't remember what it is. Takus can help me out. Um, Treat, treat yourself. Treat yourself. It's like we just take a day off and treat yourself. You know, oh, I'm just going to take just a day for myself. You know, we're all, we all have that. We just go, ah, oh, I, I, I need to. But the greatest rest comes in the glory of the Lord. When, when we seek to rest ourselves, I mean, how many of you have ever thought, well, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, I'm just going to sleep for like 18 hours today. You do realize that sleep is not cumulative, right? It's not like, it's not like you can make up a deficit, all right? Um, but, but when we have true rest, when we have, uh, when we are, and, and this doesn't mean that the Sabbath day is all, it doesn't mean that Sabbath is all about singing worship songs and all that stuff. I mean, I mean Sundays, Sundays are not my Sabbath. Sundays are my work day. All right. Um, I usually take my Sabbath on Monday or Saturday or Friday or whatever day. I don't have to drive somewhere, do something. Um, but but this the idea that the idea that we we can just rest self-centeredly is built out of a out of a, a, a view a view that puts me at the center of the universe. That if I silence everything else, I'll be able to hear me. 
But Jesus' point is when we silence everything else, we should be able to hear God. And that's what happens with these, these people. When Jesus silences their arguments, they realize just how extraordinary what happened in front of them really is. And they rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. Jesus had to do this, this illustration with this woman's life to push to the forefront what was blocking these people's ability to worship God, to bring glory to him. He uses the Sabbath again, and I've said this over and over and over again, he uses the Sabbath to bring glory to God. To not only bring glory to God in himself and in the woman that he healed, but in those that were originally opposed to God's purposes. When we rest, what is our purpose? What is our function? What is our place? You know that to, 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 to clear out the detritus that blocks us from bringing glory to God, to resting in his peace, um, it doesn't mean that you take a day off and all you do is read the Bible or you take a day off and you fast and pray. Those are important things, but that's not what this is about. It's about resting in the Sabbath, resting in the presence of God until God starts to tear away the detritus, tear away the, 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 um, all of the bits and pieces that are floating in our vision so we can see him and glorify him. Jesus wasn't passing judgment on these people, I don't think, when he calls them hypocrites. Now that sounds weird. He's calling attention to what is getting in the way of them appreciating what God is doing. He's not judging them and, and, and attacking them. He's provoking them. And when he does it, they see themselves as he sees them. And they see God and what God has done in this woman's life. And they give praise to him. So I'd encourage you to find in your rest an opportunity to clear away the things that might be blocking your ability to see the glory of God and what's going on around you. It is so hard to go through life without resting, without seeing God at work. And if we continually do that, we just wind up relying on ourselves. We wind up taking rests because of me. I need my me time. I need myself. I need a treat yourself. Rather than seeking to rest, to genuinely rest, to be quiet in ourselves, to see God. Um, I want to leave you with one last little bit about this. It's interesting that Luke records Paul's version of the gospel. Right? Luke is one of Paul's companions. I'm fascinated by the fact that Luke includes this particular story because Paul was a man who had a lot of chronic pain. Uh, he went through life. We know that Paul had a lot of issues. I mean, you read what happened in his life. And one of the reasons that Luke um, actually joins his retinue is because Paul needs constant medical attention. Um, and uh, I just imagine that Paul held on to this story, like any person that has chronic pain, um, held on to this story of Jesus healing somebody and saying, if he wanted to, if he needed to, if it served his purposes, God would heal me. But this, where I am now, serves his purposes now. Luke is the only one that records this. 
And so it must have, Paul must have told this story, or um, at the very least, Paul made sure Luke heard this story. Um, and I think for Paul, because if we read in 2 Corinthians, Paul asked God three times to remove the thorn in his flesh until finally God said, Jesus says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. I think that, G, that Paul, Paul, you know, this was, this was important. I could be wrong. I could get to heaven and Paul was like, I had nothing to do with that. I don't know what you're talking about. But I just think it's interesting that this particular episode um, was all about the glory of God, whether this woman got healed or not. It was all about the glory of God, finding rest in the chaos of our lives in the glory of God. Let's join in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we, we come to your word. We look at something so simple, and yet we see you manifest. Lord, we are, we are in a world that seems to, every day seems to kind of muddle into every other day right now because of uh, all the circumstances of the world. It's so easy to get run down, to get beat up. I've felt it. Others have felt it. It's so easy to hold everything as if it is our personal burden to bear. Lord, help us to find rest in you, to still ourselves, to see your glory, to take to take inventory of all that you have given to us and provided us for all the times that you have. Lord, it is so easy for us to get lost um, in so many different uh, distractions and to put the glory on anything but you. Lord, help us to rest in you, to know you, to trust you. We pray this again in Jesus' name.